<laughs> That's too beautiful a song to cut off, but um, how are you this morning? I'm so glad to be here with you. Uh, it is just a blessing to, to be here and to fellowship with God's people, brothers and sisters who love the Lord and who want to walk in His ways. And, you know, after you have become a Christian, this is the idea that now that you belong to Christ, to walk as He walks and to love as He loves, to show grace as He does, to be kind as He is kind, to show mercy as He shows mercy, uh, like Christ. And this is the task that God has put before me as your shepherd, to lead you in that way. Uh, It is, of course, the Holy Spirit who makes that happen. But he has given, you know, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And so uh, this is what my job is. And God will hold me responsible for that, ultimately. And I don't want to, how you call it, put him to shame. I want to do him right. I wanted to be proud of his son, and so I do the best I can. I don't take it lightly. I'm not nonchalant about it. Uh, I'm serious about it. And I don't mind sometimes to be even uh, as kind as I want to be, also a little tough, uh, so that I don't ever feel like I have betrayed you and, and, and have raised softy Christians that were first boo or ba, they're running from the enemy. I want them to put a line in the sand and tell them, you're not going to go any further than this. Back off. Because, you see, in the armor of God, we have nothing on the back. We're not expected to run away. We're expected to do battle and tell them where to go. Yes. (laughs) That, 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 That pun was not intended, but... (laughs) So, we are uh, talking, really our title is Faithful Servants, Part 2. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, Paul, and we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talked a little bit about Daniel as well. But we're going to continue with Daniel today, uh, as he is a man of God that is recognized as a man of God, and, um, and this type of thing. So, we look at chapter Five. You remember that Daniel was an apocalyptic writing, and uh, apocalyptic means, it's a difficult word, isn't it? Apocalyptic means uh, sort of like an unveiling. And it is a a writing, a a teaching, a word that God gives his people to let them know that no matter what it looks like out there, in the land or in the world, that With the eyes of his children, he wants them to see that everything is all right in his economy. Not to be bothered, not to be swayed, not to be worried, not to be downtrodden, not to be depressed. Because he is in charge and righteousness shall prevail. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it looks like. I, I, I have had circumstances that look horrible. 
knowing that God was in charge, I didn't worry. I just looked to him. I just looked to him. So, so then the chapter can be divided. And, and, and this is just my personal uh, 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 division as I was reading chapter 5. I divided it something like this. That one, Belshazzar, who was the king then. So it is funny how you have these names. You have Belshazzar and you have Belteshazzar. Belshazzar is the king. Belteshazzar is Daniel. <laughs> and Belshazzar defiles the temple vessels. Verses 1 through 4. Secondly, the handwriting on the wall and the king's wise men cannot interpret. Verses 5 through 9. Thirdly, the queen on the scene recommends and describes Daniel. Verses 10 through 12. Fourthly, Belteshazzar or Daniel is on the scene and Belshazzar addresses him. Verses 13 to 16. Fifthly, Belshazzar or Daniel addresses Belteshazzar, I'm sorry, did I say Belshazzar? I mean, Belteshazzar, Daniel, addresses Belshazzar, the king. Um, it's sort of divided two ways when uh, Daniel talks about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar and in verses 17 through 21 and 22 to 28, he talks about uh, Belshazzar himself. So, and then Sixthly, Belshazzar dies, and Darius becomes king. Okay? So, uh, we, we look at the scriptures as they put them on a screen for us and, and, and go through them. And we will go into some detail in some places, and some other places we'll just uh, describe the situation and, 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 and go on. All right? So, Daniel, the fifth chapter, and we read there, that Belshazzar, the king, made a, a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of, of the thousands. While he tasted the wine, it was not that he was, it is not describing that he was tasting the wine. It was that while he was drinking, he was tasting it. Okay, because he was drinking, drinking plenty. While he was tasting, while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords and wives and concubines might drink from them. Remember when we went through the first chapter, I told you, remember these vessels that King Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple in Jerusalem and brought them to his house. Uh, and those very uh, vessels, Belshazzar commanded that they bring to him while they're having this party. So you see the scenario that there is lots of men and lots of women that are drinking alcohol, and Belshazzar the king is ordering that the vessels of God are brought to him. You get the idea? Now, when... huh? <laughs> well, when you have lots of men and women... And concubines together that are drinking a lot of wine, that is not a good picture in the first place. But when the king orders for the vessels of the temple to come in, and they are going to drink from it, as we'll see here in just a little bit, then that is bad news. Because you, you never want to defile 
the vessels of God. So, verse 3 and 4, we're going to read here. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and wives and concubines drank from them. They drank wine, and check this out, on top of everything else, defiling the vessels of the house of God. Then while they are drinking from the vessels of the house of God, they are praising other gods, who are actually not gods, of course, but in their own minds they are. There's only one God. And so this is idolatry of the worst kind. And as they are drinking from the vessels of God, they are praising other gods. The God of gold, the God of silver, the God of bronze and of iron and of stone and of wood. Would it be predictable to you that something might happen? Something surprising might happen. It doesn't happen all, all the time, boom, just like that. You have to remember that as you read the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, as we are reading verses, sometimes we take a section and we preach on it, and, and, or we take a section and we, we, we ponder them and so on and so forth, but we don't realize that sometimes that the whole chapter happened in one night. There's a party going on. King orders for the vessels of, the, of God to come into his house. They're drinking from it. They are praising, singing praises to other gods. And something is, something is going to happen. <laughs> and something did happen. <laughs> Verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man said, <laughs> appeared. And rode opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall in the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Oops. Can you imagine? God didn't hide this writing. He put it right over against the lampstand so everybody could see it. Including the king. And when the king saw it. Well, let me just say, he got a little nervous. <laughs> well, the handwriting on the wall. We, we have that expression in our language, don't we? To see the handwriting on the wall or to read the handwriting on the wall. Our problem typically is that when we see the handwriting on the wall, we think it's addressed to somebody else. But let me, let's, can we just talk a little bit about the handwriting on the wall? Because if your life is sort of like my life, then I have seen plenty the handwriting on the wall. Have you sometimes seen the handwriting on the wall? Not, not literally, I didn't see a hand writing it on the wall, but the handwriting was on the wall. And the handwriting was on the wall that... I spent too much time here or not enough time there. I find myself that if I keep going in that direction, I might find myself in sin. Uh, handwriting on the wall. 
that if I pursue this thing, this is not right. But I thought I could do it anyways. Never happened to you? Never happened to you? Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not as, as fine a Christian as you guys are. So, <laughs> I'm just by myself here. Uh, the handwriting on the wall. And as we find out later, and we're going we're gonna to get there, then the wise men from the king, they couldn't interpret the handwriting on the wall. They couldn't even read it. He asked them to read it and interpret it. And they couldn't do it. So then the queen gets on the scene. We'll read those verses, so let me talk you through it a little bit. The queen gets on the scene, and she talks to the king and says, King, I heard your knees knock when you saw the handwriting on the wall. We could hear, we could all hear it. Uh, we saw your face turn white and pale. And, uh, but there is a man named Daniel. We need to get him. Because your father, and the, the language in the, in the King James says your father, but uh, some scholars think that it was his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, so, whatever your argument is, you win it. Okay? So, uh, but in, in Nebuchadnezzar's time, he, he was a, a man who had the, the spirits of the gods in him, who was a wise man, who could bring light to a situation. He needs to come on the scene, and the queen says, he shall interpret it for you. So, let's go back to the handwriting. When you see the handwriting on the wall, I want to encourage you to go talk to you, Daniel. Don't go talk to wise men that you don't know that are wise. They just have the title of wise men. Go to you, Daniel, and see what you, Daniel, has to say about the situation. There's a, a movie about Daniel. I, I suppose there's several movies about Daniel. And in this movie, Daniel speaks like this, as the authorities, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, uh, uh, Darius, as they address Daniel, he says, don't ask me this question if you don't want to hear the truth. Because if you don't want to hear the truth, don't ask that question. Because I will tell you the truth. So you need a Daniel in your life. Go to that person, that Daniel in your life, and he or she shall tell you the truth about your situation. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, the truth is what you need. So that you can be either spared from the, the things that are coming up, or you can get some wisdom as to how you walk through them. So, let us read a little bit more. Verse 6. By the way, I want you to know, as you well know, that God uses all kinds of situations, right? So there's a party going on with a thousand influential people in the land. And God is giving Daniel opportunity to speak of the Most High God 
to a thousand influential people. Just like that. Sometimes, I feel like that as Christians, we look at situations, at circumstances, and we think that they are so bad, and what can we do about it? It doesn't matter what we can do about it. I know what He can do about it. And, and, and He will use circumstances that are messed up, that look difficult, that they, you, don't, you don't think that you can come out of this thing in any sane way. And yet, God will make a way. We're working on a song, Waymaker. Yes? I love that song. Do you love that song, sisters? I love that song. Yes. Waymaker. He is a waymaker. So let's read. Let's read here verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed, of course. <laughs> and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. Baka, baka, baka. Can you hear it? Seven. What, what, what? Would your knees knock? If, if this morning, if this morning, there was a hand in the sky that was writing on the wall. <laughs> you say you're out of here? <laughs> See, but the problem is this though, brother. When you are at my party and that happens, you can run. But when you're a guest of the king, nobody runs. Everybody just. When you're a guest of mine, you, you go. <laughs> the whole place is empty now. But when you're a guest of the king, you, you can't run. <laughs> you, you, you have to stay. Otherwise, <laughs> you, you think you, you, you're scared for your life. The king cried aloud. There were so many people. Of course, you had to cry aloud. Hey, bring the Chaldeans and the soothsayers and whatever they are. Astrologers, bring them over here. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me the interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain around, of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Uh, to be the third ruler in the kingdom, I'm thinking that's a pretty good position that the king is going to award somebody. And so, the greater the, the reward, I figure, the more nervous the king is. Right? He is so scared. <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they can't tell me for a, a, a purple outfit and, a, and a, 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 a golden chain around their neck and, and to be the third ruler in the kingdom, if they can't tell me that, they can't tell me. And he says, eight. Now all the king's wise men came. But they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar, as king, king Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his lords were astonished. They couldn't read it. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you go to your wise people, They may not have the answer. Go to your Daniel in your life. Who has proven to be wise. To have proven to have the spirit of God in him or her. And get counsel from them. 
Because there is going to be godly counsel that you can count on, that you can take to the bank. May I give you just a, a, a I'm no Daniel, but I just give you a, a, a quick example how um, I was telling, oh, maybe I told you last week, so I'll tell you another one. Um, maybe one I told you a long time ago. A precious, precious sister came to us one night at our home. I was in the shower, so Sybil visited with her a little bit, and I came in the living room after my shower and got dressed. And, um, and the situation was this, that she had been working at a bank and had been working there longer than a male that just got a similar position as her. So she had seniority over this male guy, right? <clears throat> and, but, she said, um, he got the promotion and I didn't. So I asked her, these were my words, do you want me to tickle your ears or do you want me to tell you the truth? Of course I want you to tell me the truth because it might be hard to receive. Is it Now, let me ask you this question. Is it fair that she has been working there longer, has the same qualifications, but she doesn't get the promotion? Is that fair? Is that fair? Oh, some of you that didn't say no. Are you thinking yes? Okay. Well, no, no, no. Just, just, just in general. Just in general. Yeah. Nobody knows all the circumstances. I didn't either. But just, just when you, on, on face value, this is absolutely unfair. Is that true? Is that your impression of this situation? And I knew that it was unfair. But Christianity doesn't work with fairness and unfairness. God doesn't work on that basis. Otherwise, I'd be in deep trouble. <laughs> fair. Uh, so, I said to her, everybody in the office knows that you're a Christian lady. You have not hidden that at all. And they know what has happened, right? In the office. What can you hide in an office? Not This story you can't hide. Uh, so, everybody knew what was going on. And I told her, I say, and they are watching you to see if the Christianity that you're talking about is real to you or not. Needless to say, when she left, she was a little bit upset. But I didn't want to upset anybody. But should I tell her the truth? Or should I just make her feel good? I should tell her the truth even if it hurts a little bit. And so, and I, I, and I told her that if God wanted you to have the promotion, there's nobody that could stop it. Nobody. So God has something in this. God has a way of massaging circumstances so that people get to know him. Because when everything is fair and everything is good, even the heathen can, can act a certain way. Yes? But when things are unfair and difficult, that is when you have the great opportunity to show them Jesus. So, um, long story short, 
in a short while, she got a promotion as well. But she took the advice to the workplace and showed them Jesus. And I'm sure that many people thought it strange, but they admired her for her stance. Anyways, so go to your Daniel. Don't go to the people that will tickle your ears only. If the truth tickles your ears, fine. But if they just want to tickle your ear, go to somebody else. Verse 9. Came probably and astonished. How about verse 9? The queen came on the scene, I believe, in verse 9. Ten? Or have we have nine anywhere? Oh, okay, okay. All right, okay. <laughs> See? The handwriting is on the wall. I, I also need surgery. Yes. <laughs> My wife says she'll make the appointment. <laughs> when we come back from our mission trip, darling. Yes. The queen, because of the words of the king and the Lord. So she heard the commotion, came to the banquet hall, and the queen spoke saying, King, oh, king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. You get the idea. And then she, address, she describes Daniel in the next couple of verses. And verse 11 says this, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. Did she recognize something? Has she, has she heard about something about Daniel? Yes. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and, and soothsayers. Verse 12 says this, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding, Interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Well, Belshazzar had also heard about Daniel. Maybe not a lot, but he, he, he knew a little bit about Daniel. So when the recommendation from the queen came, hey, call Daniel because... The spirit of, of God is in him, and he, is, he brings light to the situation and understanding, and so on and so forth. Then, uh, verse 13, now, now Belshazzar is going to address Belteshazzar. Belshazzar the king is going to address Daniel. Uh, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel. And I want to go a little bit faster because... I, 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 when he talks about Nebuchadnezzar, there are some lessons there that we need to, that we need to look at. Uh, and then he brought, was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Let's stay on 13 just a little bit. You see, God has language to communicate with us, Yes? That's, that's how he does. Even when he communicates to you in your spirit, it is with language. Right? It is not with code. Or with light. Or whatever. It is with, with language that he communicates with you. Not necessarily that you can hear it, per se, 
but that's how he speaks sometimes to your heart, with language. And so language is very important to me that he says that, are you that Daniel? That is significant to me. Is it significant to you? Are you that Daniel that I've heard about? That Daniel that is spoken of, that has the Spirit of God in him, that brings understanding to situations, that, that, that solves riddles, and, and so on and so forth. Are you that Daniel? My dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know that out there, all you have is your testimony. Are you that man that is always kind? I heard about you. Sir, I'm, I'm new at the bank over here. But are you that man that they say is always so kind when he comes in? Ma'am, I'm new at this restaurant. But you are, that, are you that lady that all the waitresses talk about? That you're so kind and friendly and nice to them? Don't seem to gripe even when the service is a little bit late? Are you that lady that seems to always give a nice fat tip? Even if the service wasn't all that good? Are you that lady? This is your testimony. This was Daniel's testimony. He was that Daniel. And, and, and Belshazzar wanted to find out, are you that guy that we thought they have been talking about? Or are you a different Daniel? No, he's that Daniel, the one they were talking about. Verse 14. Oh, okay. See, there we go. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me uh, that they should read this writing and make known to me the interpretation. But they couldn't do it. Verse 16. Says, says this, and I have heard of you. Uh, in one of the translations, maybe it wasn't in this verse per se, it says, I have even heard of you. Uh, that you can give interpretation, explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known unto me the interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and the same thing that he, that he told uh, the, 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 the wise man and have chain around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. This was Belshazzar addressing Belteshazzar. Now then we get, I think here, we're getting Belteshazzar. Daniel is going to address Belshazzar. So, Let's, let's move along here because I, I want to I get to a place. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Oops. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, can you say it in your own words? Say anybody? Say it again. You can keep your gifts. <laughs> give the rewards to someone else. <laughs> can somebody give me another? Is it, too, is it too harsh to say, I don't want your gifts? There you go. Uh, or whatever. Okay. Uh, let your gifts be to yourself. And give your rewards to another. Yet, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. I don't want your gifts, but I'll still read the interpretation. And then he, then he goes into, Daniel goes into uh, a, a part of the conversation that has to do with Nebuchadnezzar. 
Nabucodonosor. Then Daniel answer said before the king. Okay, here we go. Oh, king, verse 18. The, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. Let's, let's, let's go over that sort of slowly to see what God did for the king Nebuchadnezzar. All right? Uh, oh, king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom of majesty, glory. Then Daniel answered and said before the king. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I haven't quite memorized it. And because of the majesty that the Lord gave, that he gave him, he capitalized, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. He had the power. Now, God didn't tell him to kill people, whatever. Uh, 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 uh. But, but he could if he wanted to. He has that, that much power. God had put him in such a powerful position that if he wanted to kill somebody, he did it. If he wanted to keep somebody alive, he did it. If he wanted to promote somebody, he did it. If he wanted to keep somebody down, he could do it. He had the power to do it. And nobody could do anything about it. He had the power. This is, God had put him in a position, not to abuse it, but God had put him in that powerful position. Yes? God has never put anybody in a position to abuse it. Ever. So when you find yourself in a position of power, don't abuse it, brothers and sisters, because God doesn't like that. God is not pleased with that. You do it God's way. You do it God's way. Verse 20 says this. But when his heart was lifted up, oh, no. <laughs> and his spirit was hardened in pride. He was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. So now you find yourself, you are in a powerful position. And you think that you did it on your own. In history, in history, um, it has happened many times among Christian leaders. Many times among Christian leaders that they began and gave God glory for everything that God did for them. But it was going so well that at some point in their career or ministry, excuse me, they thought it was them that did it. And they took the glory of God. Now, this was Nebuchadnezzar, but we know of somebody else that, there's other, many others, but in the scriptures specifically, that took the glory from the, from the Lord. And he was eaten up by worms immediately, the Bible says. He got worms, Brother John. He, he had worms. You don't want worms. Don't go there, brothers and sisters. You're just asking for big trouble if pride sets in. Fight pride with all you've got. Amen. Don't go there. Only bad things will happen. As sure as 11 o'clock, 
comes after 10 o'clock. As sure as a fall comes after pride. Thankfully, not always as 11 o'clock comes after 10 o'clock. The, the surety, yes, but probably not that quick. But uh, thank, thank God sometimes you have a little time to recoup uh, uh, and humble yourself. But as sure as 11 o'clock comes after 10 When pride comes in, a fall is on its way. Don't go there. Don't go there. Okay. So he had, so he had all that stuff. And then and, and even his glory was taken from him. So we, let's go on a little bit and see what else is happening with this Nebuchadnezzar. Then he was driven from the sons of man. His heart was made like the beasts. And his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. <laughs> And my translation says something else. Uh, they fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Over here doesn't say, but they gave him wings and feathers, and he had claws like an eagle, till he knew that the... Okay, that word over here, till? Till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of man and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Until he finds out and, and, and acknowledges this God again, that's how he's going to be. So, not only did he lose everything, but he had to go live with the beasts. And he had to eat grass. Like I told you last week, uh, an oxen, when he eats, or she, uh, he eats grass, he just stands and eats. A human being, when they want grass, when they need to eat grass, they go on their knees to eat grass. You can't stand like this and eat it. So just bear with me as I share share this part here a little bit. Brother Joel, Man come to you. They've had a beautiful wife, inside and out, who was precious. They have been married for 26 years. Then pride set in, took her for granted. He took her so for granted that he even went with another woman. And she, being weak, in the circumstances, she went with another man. So I got a call. I called the radio station, and they referred me to you. Can you help me? I said, tell me, tell me your story. Well, he told me the story, and he says to me, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't work. I am depressed. And I'm thinking, see, why do we take things for granted? Why don't we keep glorifying God for what he has done so he can keep us on the right path and straight and humble? Then you get a call from a a woman who had a wonderful husband, gentle, kind, Loved her like crazy. And she just one day, she decided, uh, 
I, I, I don't want to do it God's way any longer. I'm going to do it my way. And she goes. And she finds herself uh, losing her husband, losing her children. Finds herself drinking too much alcohol, becoming an alcoholic. And even walks the streets sometimes a little bit. Why? Why would we do it? Bear with me. There's children that have wonderful parents that love them like crazy. They would do anything for their children. You know people like that? I do. And at some point, the children, they just want to do it their way. They're through with giving God the glory. They're through with doing things God's way. And they just hate their parents. Walk away. Insult their parents. But God says, honor your parents. They do the opposite. And they find themselves in difficulty. Eating grass, if you will. For what? May I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to always do it God's way. There's only good in that. And any other way, there is only bad in that. It might not show up right away, the bad. But ultimately, you're going to eat grass. Maybe not literally. Because you were, you snubbed God. You went in an opposite direction. Whereas first you gave him glory. Now you take all the glory. Well, glory to you <laughs> in the streets. Good luck with, you, with your situation. Good luck, husband. Good luck, wife. Good luck, young people. Good luck, employer. Good luck, employee. Good luck, pastor. Good luck. Why? Why? When you know the word of God, why? Somebody give me an explanation. Why? Well, you find yourself walking with wild donkeys, eating grass. Your body is wet. You have to be in the rain. I'm a tennis. I, I, I make my living. I, I used to make my living being a tennis pro. And in this heat, in about two minutes, even as I'm walking to the courts, I'm sweating already. In about two minutes, I'm drenched with sweat. And the one thing that I would like to do, because I always have a towel hanging over the net, I walk to the net and just wipe my face dry. It feels so good to be dry. But no, he was wet. Huh? No towel for him, baby. So, but then you have this little word. Where's that little word? That said till, 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 till. How long is going to, uh, this is going to last? Till. <clears throat> you acknowledge the most high once again. This doesn't have to be forever. Come to God. Come back to God, brothers and sisters. Come back to God. 
And he, he, hey, you haven't gone far enough that he won't take you back. Humble yourself before him. And come back to him. And see what he, what he, what he, what he will do. And, and so, uh, uh, does somebody have your Bible open? Could you look, uh, Colleen, would you read it? Uh, in the fourth chapter, I, I want to say maybe verses 37 and 36 and 37, something that, like that, out loud. Here. Huh? Yes, yes. Okay. This is now. He's coming back to his senses. At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Amen. So this is Nebuchadnezzar's story as uh, Daniel is addressing Belshazzar. But this happened actually in the fourth chapter, chapter already. So you saw that then Nebuchadnezzar had a, a restoration, and God wants to restore you, no matter where you have been. Yes. No matter how long you have been there. No matter how far you have gone, acknowledge him. Come to him. And he wants to show you grace that in your circumstances won't even be challenged. 